Good morning, everyone. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. I'm gonna go on. I'm gonna go on. Since you moved your location, like whatever way that you've moved, there's been feedback on it. Echoing. You're apparently I swear you're paranoid about echoing. Listen, listen. Paranoid. You got a problem. I listen. Admit it, you got a problem. Just audio quality is my thing. We spend hours editing. Hours. <laughs> Not. What's going on? Right. Let's get to it. Because there's lots of questions. Okay. Dominic, Dominic Foster. Oh, well, what do we have? Just in time for a question, lads. What do we have the pleasure? Well, Dom, you ask the question. You do it. You do it, son. Help a brother out about to edit terms and conditions to add in holiday. How do I word it? Why don't you take that one? No, go on, you take it. No, you can take it. So I always answer the holiday questions. Um, it depends which option that you're going to go with, Dom. So are you going to go with what we talked about the other day in regards to accounting for a week off a quarter and spreading the payments over 48 weeks? And then if that's the case, then I would just articulate it like that within your um, within your terms conditions. Or if you're going to go for the option of where people notify you of that they're going away or you're going away and then you downgrade them to an online coaching price for for whilst that happens so it depends four weeks off over the year yeah, yeah. um so I, I simply mate i'll just articulate it like that um explain that you are accounting for a week off per quarter um for yourself already in the price and factoring that in um and then obviously you're still already going to have you you're going to also have to put down that um they, they still need to notify you for when they go away. Um, everything is incorporated in the price. You might also stress in there that you might not take off a week per quarter, but then it accounts for them going away as well. Anything you'd add, Nick? No. Yeah, that's what, was, what you're laughing at. <laughs> you fucking laughing at? What's up? Nothing. <laughs> Um, I think he's got a fucking problem this morning. You've got a problem this morning. Got a problem every morning. Um, next question. Hopefully that helps, mate. It's hard to. Yeah, I was just articulating that way. Like I said to you as well the other day. It's one of them where when you're the difference is, is clients get it. When we communicate it effectively from day one, if you go through step by step of your terms, conditions, or your operational boundaries, or whatever you want to call it, when you go through step-by-step step from day one, because I went years just sending them a T's and C's, getting them to sign it and sending it back, and then go through the whole holiday palaver of getting more people booked in before you go and after you go and all of that. But actually, when you strip it back and you do it this way, and you walk them through it at point of sale, and when they sign up and go, right, this is the point on holidays, just to work you through, this is what I account for a week off per quarter, it goes, spreads across your payment, so you don't lose out, I don't lose out, all of that type of stuff. They just get it. And then like, yeah, completely understand. Um, it's been in some cases where I've not articulated and just I've just said to them at point of sale, within your payment, 
I've accounted for a week off per quarter for myself. I'm not always potentially going to take that, but I'm sure that you'll have time away. So it accounts for you as well. Um, so yeah, just be really transparent with them from day one and they'll be sweet as a nut. Should we get into the questions then? Um, to the questions then? Oh, Andy Rose is throwing more questions at us. What's going on here? What's going on? I'm going to do a 30 days for £30 trial of my food camp. Should I set it up so everyone on the trial has the same start and end there? That's a good question. It's a good question. Oh, it's a good question. Well, I don't think you should. Are you going to go against me on this? Yeah, I think you should. Oh, Andy. Caused, you've caused friction in the camp, Andy. Go on. Why do you think you should? Um, not, not looking, I'm more thinking from Andy's perspective in regards to helping him helping him drive the marketing message behind it, the, the urgency behind it, the intent behind it the workload as well, um, having everyone in the same boat. You could do, while they're on the 30 days, you could do a little email series going out to everybody at the same time. You can convert everybody at the same time. Oh, look at him. Uh, I really want to say that I don't agree, but I do agree with everything he's just said, so kind of. The thing is, with having the way I see it, it was a boot camp. It's very similar to say you're having, I don't know, you own a private facility and you do 30, day, 30 days for thirty pound as a trial of the of the gym. And if I was running a gym, that's something that you potentially have on all year round for people to access as a low barrier. Now, no, it's not a gym; it's a boot camp. But for me, it's still quite appealing for the consumer that they can come in whenever. But I agree. Oh, do I agree? If you said, I think, well, all right, shut the fuck up a minute. I'm not finished. If you said seven days, that would be a continuous thing, definitely. But 30 days. Um, all right, I'm going to say I agree with Nick because the reason why I agree with Nick on this, Andy, is because it brings that intent and consistency within your message um, for a short period of time. So it'll get you to show up more because it's got a start and end date. So that's the only reason I agree with Nick. Fuck, my Tuesday's got off to a really bad start. Bastard. Anyway, listen, I'm over it. Are you really there? Yeah. Let's get to the rest of the questions. Um, right, is lead generation inclined or would it be good to promote business? I was thinking of giving away a free recipe book next week to people who give me their email and then maybe the following week a free group training trial. Could I do more or is this a good starting point? Uh, lead gen in class is not 100% not dead, um, first of all. Um, would it be good to promote business? I was thinking of a way, a free recipe. I think, hmm. I mean, yeah, like a recipe book could work, a food diary, like anything could work. But I think to make, to give you a much more, to give you confidence on the return on investment you're putting into 
whatever you do or give out or or do with the classes, I think you need to understand what they want first. What are the big, what are the big pieces that people are struggling with? They that because is a recipe book going to help them, or is it a nice to have? Um, so I, the first thing I would say, mate, is start to maybe. thinking how you could do this. There's two ways you could do this. I think one way could be um, do a little bit of fact finding on what on what those class what people in the classes are looking for, needing, wanting, etc. That's the first thing, which will enable you to then, you know, position the recipe book or health checks or inductions on the gym floors to the kit because they're able to use it or motivation or whatever it is. I think that would make it more. Um, I think that would make it a better return on investment for you. Where recipe book is a nice to have, but What's the follow-up of that? You know, is it you emailing them saying, hey, have you tried it? Or is it... So I think, yeah, fact-finding, first of all, but then to your other point on following a week of free group training trial, what works really well with that type of stuff is little challenges and tests and little buddy kind of um, challenges as well that you can do kind of, let's say like 10 minutes towards the end of the class or the session. Um, just thinking back when I transitioned like a group, a Friday morning group over into small group coaching every six weeks or well, I started every four weeks and went six weeks. I was doing like a, just like a bit of a TA fitness test and, you know, give them a little bit of a leaderboard and they absolutely, they were buzzing about it. And that just, brought about the different conversations about how they can improve and blah, blah, blah. And that was really organic into like small group training. So it's 100% not dead. I think you've got to be smart and find out what the group, what those people want essentially to make whatever you position for them better. <laughs> that Really uh, long answer. That was a long answer. What's the TA fitness test? It's just a. What was I going to say then? It's like a watered down version of the TA or the army test where you oh, do. Right. Okay. Press up, sit up. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right, you can do actually good. in the gym. Um, yeah, the only thing I would add to this is um, because it needs adding. I coach a client in the same gym as this person, and there is a massive demand for classes. It's it's an ex-Virgin Active gym. There's always been Holmes Place and Virgin Active. There's always been a cult of class members in that gym. So 
especially if the natural organic and I've seen your group training in the morning and the vibe is mint and the community is class and people who come into your classes will definitely benefit from being in there. I'm not sure, like Nick said, the rest of the book is the best lead generation tool because I don't know if you can follow on from that. Like Nick said, you can't email them and say, how are you getting on with the recipe? Because nine times out of 10, they won't try it in some most cases. Or if they do, what I would do is make something of it within a community that you've got where they can access the community. And I don't know, you do a certain specific recipe of the night and so on. I think it's quicker wins. And that will help push traffic towards this free trial of your small group training. So I think that'll be great. Nick's example is bang on regards to little buddy ups and groups at the end of sessions. So they've got that feel of it. Maybe, um, maybe it's that you're doing food diary, food diary reviews, you're doing a live group online or something like that, that gives an analysis of what people are struggling with. There's a seminar, there's a workshop and, um, there's something that's just that lead magnet that's in between the class and the small group training trial. Just think about something and I can help with that if you come and see me next time I'm in the gym as well. But just think about something that can follow on, something that you can follow on with either over email, in a group or on the gym floor. Yeah, I think recipes are great. A million percent are great. It's just difficult to follow on from them in my opinion. Um, next question, Nick. Do you think males or females are tougher target market to sell to and bring on board? Um, I think the tougher. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's tougher because it's more of a generalised message. Because if you look at this, right, if I want to work with people who want to lose fat, um, and I'm going to focus on males and I'm going to focus on females. Now, my general message is, they, they want to become more confident. They're a little bit self-conscious. They feel tired, lethargic, demotivated, feel like they can't look at themselves in the mirror, cover up in front of their partner, um, that type of stuff, right? They don't know what to do in the gym. They have no structure. They follow fad diets, all of that. All of that is a very general message. Like to some people that might sound specific, but that's very general. Like to females, in what scenarios or situations do they feel uncomfortable uh, lack confidence do they struggle with consistency what gets in the way is it priorities and so on with males like that's also going to be different so the message if you're even if it's a fat loss goal the message to a male demographic and a female demographic is a lot different once you learn and understand how, um, what it is that they go through you can absolutely generalize the message it will just take longer to cut through in my opinion so you will have to double up on your consistency to show up more in whatever mediums that you use to attract both males and females. Um, so it will take you more time to do that. Um, but what you'll find is if you separate the message, then it'll take you less time. You'll go all in on a demographic and be very, very specific. So the message will start to cut through that it's them that you are marketing to. And, Last point on this, as soon as you decide on who you are marketing to, and that brings clarity and consistency, off the back of it, you'll still get the other gender coming up to you for personal training because you're showing up more. So I wouldn't worry too much, but it is a bit overwhelming when you're a new PT, um, which I know you are, to, to really think about narrowing down even to a point of gender. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. It is tougher, 
if you post more generalized stuff. I think most PTs think they're being specific by concentrating on people with a lack of confidence or a lack of consistency, motivation, accountability. That's everyone in the world, for God's sake. Everyone who lose, wants to lose fat don't hardly like the gym. They can't be consistent. They're not accountable. They're not very confident. They're not happy with how they look and feel. It's a general message. When you get specific into the gender, you can then land a more specific message that cuts through. Next question, best way to ask your clients what more support they want from you without feeling like shit if they throw loads, if they throw loads of ideas your way that you haven't been doing with them? Um, I think it's a mindset thing, more of a, a way of going about it. Like if you never got feedback from, from your clients that isn't critical then you're never going to know how truly to improve. It's only going to be off your own biases and preferences. So I think um, it's the source of how you build your business, like you grow through the demand of, you, of your clientele and the market you're serving. So um, I, I, you've got to look at it. and Yeah, you have to look at it as a, as a point of developing your service because ultimately – you're serving people and, and there's no one, you know, people's lives. And the big thing is, is that, you know, yes, there are different, there are absolutes in our industry, right? Thermodynamics and progressive overload and stuff like that. But the fact is that you're dealing with people, people have got different lifestyles, people have got different mindsets, people have got different commitments, um, motivation, discipline levels, all that kind of stuff. So you need to be consistently drawing critical feedback from your clients to enable you to understand them better, to enable you to improve the service and get them results. Um, you're not supposed to know everything on how to deal with people. Like it's a learning curve. With 20, 20 odd years into the industry, we're still learning. So I think you've got to just got to shift your mindset a little bit, mate. It's not that you're doing a bad job. It's just them giving you feedback on how, how you could improve. Not how you could improve, but how you could support them better, I think is a better way of looking at it and how you could apply things better uh, for them and that individual. So, um, And the way to go about it is set up an anonymous survey, send it out every kind of quarter or so, um, and put some put a narrative behind it that you know you're searching for critical feedback. Don't you know? It's nice to have a pat on the back, but that's not going to help you improve essentially. So, yeah, that's what I'd say about that. Anything else? Um, no, like we need to chase a bit of discomfort when it comes to this type of feedback as a business. So. Um, what you'll see is that obviously what we do in the group is we advise the PTs within the group to, to basically pick questions that's going to bring critical feedback. It's, it's great getting positive feedback. Don't get me wrong. Like it's great from an ego perspective, if we're being dead honest, um, it gives us clarity and confidence and all of that. And there'll always be a mix of that, even if you look for the negatives. Um, so I would chase a bit of discomfort and just see where you can develop because I suppose it's that it's that growth mindset, isn't it, of wanting to progress and move the business forward? Because like Nick says, if we don't look for that, 
we're always going to stay stagnant. And then maybe some clients will <clears throat> provided it. But no, I'm good. Next. Uh, how do you know if your target market right is the right one for you? This is a really good question, this, because there's many entities out there that think this exact same thing. Um, there's a couple of things. I think the first one, it's got to be led from a passion from you. So, like, you really have a passion to help that type of demographic. Um, because at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying helping the, this, these people online and offline, marketing is always going to feel like a bit of a chore for you. Um, so I think it has to be led from a passion of this is definitely who I want to work with. Now, when I say that, there's going to be a lot of PTs thinking, yeah, but I have a passion for performance and functional fitness or whatever. But I know there's not many people within my demographic like that in my gym. And I get that and I understand it. But bear in mind that everyone joins the gym at the start. When they join the gym, they, they start to think I'm really passionate about functional or strength conditioning or performance. Like we've got to look at if we're working out of a commercial gym, it's predominantly you're, you're dealing with people at the start of that journey. And then they start to mold a passion for performance, functional fitness or whatever it is that you're then passionate about. Now, I'm not saying have a bias towards something and push some people towards that. What I am saying is that it's a, you have to have a look at the demographic that the gym brings to you. Like I worked in the city center of Manchester. It was slap bang behind uh, around a load of offices. So I kind of have my, uh, my demographic handed to me on a plate. But before that, I worked in a community gym where there's lots of variety of different demographics. So I had, it was more confusing for me, right? So all I would say is make sure it's passionate. Make sure you're being considerate in a sense of are you dealing with people at the start of their journey or in the middle, for example? Um, so make sure that you enjoy it. And what I would say is if you're asking yourself this question, there's probably not been a lot of consistency yet in trying to drive home the message for a specific demographic. Maybe you're second-guessing yourself slightly. Um, like once you know who that demographic is, just go all in on it. Go all in on it consistently over time because once you do that, you'll probably find more passion for it because you're starting to enjoy it more and getting more results for people and all that because you understand them better. And therefore, that'll show within your work and social proof and so on. Um, so, yeah, just summarizing that, A, if you really enjoy it um, and yeah, it's a passion of yours to help that type of, of, of demographic. Um, and B, I think, once you've picked that people, then people go all in on them. Don't be dipping your toes in the water and then going, this isn't going to plan. Maybe it's not the right market for me. So then I'm going to change my demographic. Literally go all in. Anything you'd add? No, not really. No. Well, that's fantastic. Um, two questions here, I think, Nicholas, for you. Um, first one, clients would rather pay monthly as they go instead of using go cardless, i.e. direct debit. So I've just gone with that, with what they prefer. Is this going to cause issues further down the line? That's the first one. Um, I think, is it going to cause issues? I think the reason why they, and you can, I guess it's, you can create a lot of assumptions around why they actually wouldn't want to do this because they pay a direct debit for the gym. 
So essentially, I think you've got to take away the option, um, the options for them, you know, your business, this is the payment option, it's through GoCardless, through direct debit or reoccurring payments. Don't give them an option. Um, is it going to cause issues down the line? It's more work for you. Um, there's a little bit less commitment, I feel, if people are kind of opting to just pay as you go. Um, it's the same. It's more work for them. It's more work for you. So I would take away the option and just have one option to pay. That's it. If they want to do that, then it comes into the business. Yeah, next question. When I do a week check-in, I feel like I might be bothering clients when they'd rather be left alone. How do you find the balance between supporting clients outside of the gym and not pestering them? I want to show them I care and I'm there to support them, but should I be more reactive than proactive? It's all the way you set it up. Um, if they understand and get value from the check-ins, it won't feel like you're if they won't be bothered by it. They'll be wanting it because it's giving them something. It's it's helping them. It's supporting them. They're they're gaining confidence from knowing they're on the right track. They've overcome that. We've got some ideas from the past week when they struggled with going out of the weekend and feeling guilty. And you've given them some solutions to try the following week. So it's all the it's all about the way you drive value on. What is this check-in and the opportunity for you to then coach and feed back to them off the back of the check-in? What is that going to provide them with? What problem is that going to solve them? Um, and so it's, all, it's always going to come back to the onboarding, how you drive value for the service when in your consultation. Um, so proactive, mate, 100%. 100%. If you're doing a check-in because you think you have to, then you probably need to go back and look at what, how that's helped, how that is going to help someone, um, and what problem in the consultation and challenge that they brought up from the past, all right now, that it's going to help. When are they checking in? By what are they checking in? What information they're checking in, and how are you giving feedback? They're the crucial things. Otherwise, it probably will feel like you're pestering them if they're not doing it and you're constantly reminding them. So again, use an opportunity to have a conversation around not checking per se, but around some of the challenges they're having, around some of the things they're struggling with week on week. And if, if them being accountable in some way and then you coaching them with the feedback you give them is going to help that problem, um, then it's it dry, you know, people have value in, behind doing it and understanding. What is the difference between a target market and a niche? Can a niche be too niche? <laughs> um, they're basically the same, it's just people use different language for them. Um, yeah, so basically, it's exactly the same. Um, can a niche be too niche? No. I don't think you can, personally. Um, bear in mind, we're not just talking about marketing here. Like We're talking about coaching as well. So the, the aim of our business is to coach people to 
I don't know, improve their relationship with exercise, food, get better relationship with themselves, um, all of that type of stuff. That comes from us as a coach really understanding that person like as much as we can so we can fit the principles and methods into their life so it can be consistent and sustainable for most people. Um, now, I know we're talking about marketing here, but it's the same, isn't it? The, the better I can get to know the demographic that I'm trying to coach and help improve, the better it's going to be for me and them long-term. So if I can do that by doing loads of market research, being really specific with my marketing message, then the end goal is I'm going to have better, more adherent clients, more accountable clients and clients that are going to get more results. And that's how linking coaching and marketing can really, really help you. So I know I don't think you can be too niche. Next question. I'm going away for three weeks at the start of December. Originally, I wanted to hold fire to do the course. But I'm glad I didn't because I can see it setting me up long, long term. Wicked. That's great to say that you've seen that from one week. Any advice you would give on how to handle leads in the next two months when I know I will be away for most of December? Thanks for the support. Good question. Uh, yeah, I think use the next use the next two months to kind of think about to trial things and understand what works, what doesn't, and then I think crucially have a bit of an understanding of what what the intent is and the goal is for kind of Jan and Feb. Um, and then I think, you know, using that three weeks away, scheduling scheduling all your content in during that three weeks, scheduling maybe um, some calls to action, some driving some um, inquiries. And you, that a lot of that can be systemized and automated. So... Um, it's no drama that you're going away for three weeks. I think it's a great thing you're going away for three weeks, but I think you've got to just think ahead a little bit now and think about what does January and February look like for me? What do I want? Work yourself backwards, right? We've got October, November, December. What can you do over the next, what, nine weeks? And then automate and systemize during the time you're away. But it's all going to be based on what the end goal is for or well, not the end goal, but what the goal is for kind of Jan and Feb. Um, anything else? No, I just wouldn't let going on holiday for a few weeks put, off, put you off taking clients on um, and marketing to people. I just wouldn't. Because as soon as you drop consistency before you go away, you're away for three weeks, and then you're on the back foot in December, January, and February to regain that level of consistency. Um so I would go personally, I would go all in in the remaining weeks up until your holiday. And I would, like Nick's just said, automate and systemize your business that well, which will help you with. We start with that next week in the, in the course. Um, that you, the, the more capable clients that come in, they can do the programs and kick on and hopefully have a level of self-accountability, all of that type of stuff. And the ones that maybe struggle and they've bought PT because they want you there by your side, Maybe that you adapt to that and maybe they don't come into the gym or if they do, they go to classes or you support them to, to hit different types of goals that are going to keep them consistent whilst you're away. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it should stop you from showing up um, or taking clients on. I think if your service is good enough 
which I'm sure it is, like I'm more than certain it is, then you can service your clients. At the end of the day, it's online coaching. You don't have to be there. So if them services are that good, the distance support is that good, even if you just check in with them for half an hour a week, then hopefully that's enough to keep them ticking over for the three weeks that you're away. And then you can kick on when you come back. So yeah, that's all I would say. Um, how do you know the target market is the right one for you? So I'm struggling to pinpoint mine as I've always had a very variety, varied client, varied client base. I keep second guessing whether I should have a different one. Yeah, this is a similar response to before. Um, I completely get where some of you are at with this. And the natural thing to do, because I did it the same, is when, when this was delivered to me, well, it took about two or three times for it to land with me. Because when I first heard it, I was like, this is a load of bullshit. Why should I narrow down my potential for clients? But when I started to understand the positives and the benefits from it from a time perspective and how it plays a role in coaching and all of that, um, similar response to before, like, Again, look at the gym, look at whatever other products and service that you do, the surrounding areas, all of that type of stuff, because that does play a role. Um, so start to have a look about who's there, types of members. Um, and then it comes down to me, it comes down to passion. It comes down to passion for who you really want to help, but being considerate of like, yes, we all want to help performance, strength conditioning or whatever it is that they're doing. And I think, this is an SNC coach, there it is. Um, so that's where my passion lies. But actually, where do people start that journey? Is it that I want to help them along that journey? So if that's the case, I need to pitch it a few years prior to the experience that the, where I'm at and where the other people are at that I'm currently enjoying training. Um, so what you naturally do is you naturally look inside your business and go, right, who do I enjoy training the most? And what you do is then you look at the people who, who are most accountable and most adherent and more or less the yes men and the yes women. And is that reality? Well, no, actually, because we want to be challenged and we want people at the start of their journey. So when you look at the specific market, it's got to ignite a bit of passion and fire for you to go, right, I really want to help them people. Like that's exactly who it is that I want to help. Um, and that for who I'm going to market to. And my last point on this is try not to put too much pressure on yourself. If, if you've narrowed it down to kind of two types of demographics, Use a bit of time to hash out the process, even though you're on this program and it's quite a high pressure, like a lot of things to consider and we're asking you to do videos and stuff like that. Like let it still be a process of finding out and fact finding um, because it, it'll, it sometimes takes some time. Anything you'd add, Nick? No. Oh, bloody hell. Um, what would you say are the KPIs to monitor on a regular basis? What a great question. Um, example, on the gym floor, how do you differentiate a lead from a general conversation? Really good question. Lead is someone who inquires into your business. Um, so I think you've got to break it down in regards to contacts, i.e. if I'm, okay, let's work this backwards. Time that you're investing into lead generation, both, um, on the gym floor and online as well. Look at the contacts and interactions you're having um, on a daily basis based on the amount of time you're investing. So then you can kind of see, right, is that time at those times, in those areas, um, am I 
Am I doing the things I set out to do? The next one along is, am I getting inquiries off the back of that? Whether, again, whether that be people asking, whether that me positioning the service based on the conversation that I'm having, based on the inquiry, that point I've got on my social media. Or once people have inquired, you've got to look at then, are they going through to the next stage? Whether that's a phone call, whether it's a consult, are they filling out the pre-consult? Um, and essentially then people coming into your business. So those kind of dead simple metrics, and if you're using the check-in, um, it kind of sets you up to do that week on week. Um, but those are the very simple things that I'd say. Keep it dead simple. Um, contacts and conversations are the first point, no like and trust. First real point of kind of getting to earning the right to kind of sell or position a business or a proposition. Um, and then, yeah, then just measure that process throughout. And keep doing these check-ins because that'll help you. Because essentially the KPIs are in the business check-ins that you do here. How is the split time across my different services I offer? How best to split time across different services I offer? Well, I'm sorry, but this is a really short answer because it depends. It depends on what the main aim is for the business. So, like, give you an example of this. If the main aim is for you to buy back time and earn the same or more, then you would look to then scale whatever offering that you're trying to do, probably from that you can do in volume. So, whether that's small group training, whether that's online coaching, whether it's boot camps, whether it's team, whatever it is. So then you would put the priority on making sure that you drive that. Whereas if the aim is to get to capacity of one-to-one -one coaching and then do something that's growing and scaling, then you'd put all of your effort into growing and driving that. So it does very much depend. Um, so bless this bit of time. Um, I would weigh up your goals. I would weigh up where you want to say, Look at where you want your business to be at this point next year. Um, and I would weigh up what that business model looks like. What would they be split in the products then? And then if you reverse engineer that, that will hopefully give you a bit more clarity on where the split of the products will be um, and the services will be. Anything you'd add to that, Nick? No, just maybe the only thing I'd add is look long term what you want what you want your business to give you. Like <clears throat> is one of the services that you're providing will auto, will that serve whether it's for example location independence, giving you a bit more freedom, a bit more time with the family, maybe a bit more um, opportunity to <clears throat> scale your business. Is that something that you're after? If it is, then maybe you invest a little bit in growing maybe an online presence or an online product, for example. So, yeah, I think it really derives around what you want your business to give you. I think that will help to kind of make those decisions going forward. Um, what are your thoughts on inviting clients to join in with challenges that you do. I've had a couple express interest and was unsure whether to just let them participate for free or give them a discount rate. Um, so 
I'm guessing it has paid challenges. Yeah, it is, yeah. <clears throat> um, I'd, personally, I'd let him do it for free. I really would. Um, I think it's a great way to, to enable a little bit of focus, a little bit more focus for for clients, um, refresh, bit more, you know, get them focused for a short period of time, especially over the next kind of three, four months. I think it's a great thing to do as well. Um, so no, I would definitely let them. Pers- this is a personal opinion. I would, I would invite them to do it for free. Yeah, just make sure it doesn't conflict with what they're currently doing within their goals currently. So it might be that I don't know. We've talked to a couple of guys recently where their clients are really wanting to step up their their rate of fat loss. So maybe if they see it as that and they see it as an opportunity to do that, does that conflict with any previous attempts and any previous behaviours and habits that's then forced them to derail? I don't know. So just weigh up them options before you do it. Um Uh, oh, it's not really not really one point. It's not really one you should join. Yeah, that's Sam. That, that's up to you, pal. Um, on your question, mate. Um, that's up to you. So a lot of the previous group guys on the group program have joined in to this current cycle of the group program. Um, some of them are, are putting videos in the group for accountability, just for accountability for themselves. So you can immerse yourself in the full program and start posting videos again. Absolutely no problem. We'll give you feedback. Or you can just sit in on the sessions, take notes, tweak and add things that maybe you missed on, on your one. So yeah, that's no problem at all. It's up to you. Cool. I run outdoor fitness classes and the only pricing option I currently have is three sessions a week with this option. You can also attend the same session same session times each week. In order to create more flexibility and attract more members, I'm considering creating different pricing options. These options will give people the chance to attend two, three or four times a week and they wouldn't have to stick to the same time for each session. Plan I have had to price a service in a while. I'm looking for advice on how to do it. I know you can set your prices to make one option look more appealing, but I'm not sure if that's what I should be doing here do you have any advice on how i should go about pricing these options also can you think of any other considerations in set up a service like this cheers you get all that well it's a good job i read the question in it because fucking didn't get any of it why do help um however you've got the price for your free session of the week i would factor it to the same as two and four um i wouldn't discount it personally i, I wouldn't because you're driving an incentive for a level of frequency. So I would, wherever you've got to a level of free sessions, I wouldn't discount it. Um, I think more flexibility is great as long as you've reached or reaching a level of capacity on them free sessions, because what you're going to have to do is probably deal with putting on more slots that aren't as full as you're used to. So it's dealing with that at first and then marketing towards it. But from a pricing perspective, um, however you've got to three sessions a week I would get to two and four in the same way because yeah because 
then it's not fair. If you then go with a discount, it's not fair with the people that have been paying you for so long at that set price. So that's why I would say, um, Nick, anything you'd add? No, I think. Hmm. If you're listening to the podcast, you've not paused again. I'm not paused, I'm just thinking. No, I don't want to overcomplicate it, no. It wasn't worth the pause, really, was it? But, no, it wasn't, no. Like most of your pauses. Shut up, shut up. Um, there's a couple of... Andy... I don't think you'll mind me shouting your name out on the podcast live. Ever. You just have. <laughs> I know, yeah, I've fucking done it anyway. Um, Andy, if that answer, if you need more detail and you want to send us over your price and then we will help you yeah. your new options, it's really hard to answer without seeing it. But I wouldn't jeopardise what your current clients pay by putting more frequency on than discounting because for me that's not fair. Um that, in my opinion, that's just not it's not right. Um, and I would value your service to not discount it. So I would find a two and four session a week um, from the same way you found three sessions a week, whatever it was that you priced it at, that I would do it the same. Um, anything else that I would add to that? No, I also think you need to consider your demographic of how many times realistically they can get to, they can do that because... What it might be is instead of you putting a four session option, you do two and three, but you put more frequency of sessions on. So then you can start to fill it um, that's relevant to, to your demographic. I'll explain more touch base individually on it, mate, because it's difficult to explain about the, your pricing options in front of us. Um, there's a couple of questions in the chat, isn't there? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to ask about increasing your prices for one-to-one. -one. Do you do it for new clients coming in or, or new and old? I think um, a lot of people do it for just new clients coming in, For the but, I, but that's more so from a lack of not wanting to upset basically original clients, let's put it that way. Um, and... Look, if, you, if your service is worth the money you're increasing it to, that should be across the board, in my opinion. So a way of going about that is potentially um, using the reviews as that, that first of kind of contact to have these conversations, first of all. I think that's the first thing. Secondly, communicating and giving time for your clients to, to ask questions, get used to the new pricing structure, whatever that looks like. But then also giving different options if they don't want to go up to that price point. So as an example, instead of, I know, going from 240 to 280 per month for what they're currently doing, you could position like small group training or online coaching as another option for them to go on to if they don't want to go up in price or can't afford it. Um, so, so yeah, I just think if you're increasing the pricing for new clients coming in, 
is it less valuable for an older clients? I don't think so. So that's just my opinion on it. Anything else to add to that, Anthony? No, I have nothing else to add to that. You fucking pass. Um, Why don't you call me a parcel then? I don't know. Yeah, I just felt like... You're calling me a you aggressive again, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, is, is there anything you guys would do differently marketing-wise in a smaller independent gym as opposed to a big commercial gym? No. Nope. I, I don't think I would, mate. No. I would... Well, looking back, when I was in a private facility... Um, no, you just do more. You, you do more, like, you know you're up against it. When, it. when you're in a commercial gym, it allows you to be reactive, hence why a lot of commercial gym PTs just take the path of least resistance and proper lazy bastards when it comes to marketing. So in a private gym, you know you're up against it with a smaller pool of people, so that normally brings a level of proactivity a little bit. Um, so all I would say is make sure that you do the stuff that any personal trainer should be doing, which is understand who you're marketing to, have a marketing plan, agree on the mediums that you're going to go out to. So whether that's local area, um, um, whether that's social media, which platforms, uh, the gym floor itself, are you going to start to build an email list because it relates to your demographic? Are you going to get into the local community groups if it is a community-based gym? Because um, I think they really work, the Facebook groups, fucking immense. Um, we know a guy who built a business just off the back of a community Facebook group. It's mental. Um, so I don't think I would do much different. You would, you could say that members of a private smaller gym, their normal transition, we talk about this quite a lot, is that people join a commercial gym as their first port of call. And then what they do is they spend years in there. They start in classes. They get more confident. They're more consistent. They fall in love with training. And then naturally they get pissed off with a commercial gym and then they find themselves in a private, private gym because they see it's the next step up for them in their development. So maybe your pitch and message is more so at people who are gone, who are going through that, that process of sick of commercial gyms for whatever reason and want to step their training up. And I know you have S&C in your back pocket as well. So they want to step their training up to be more performance-based or more Olympic lifting or more strength conditioning or whatever. So maybe that that's the only difference that I would say. But apart from that, it'd be more or less the same. Anything you'd add? Um, I would probably have a little have the networking with local businesses a little bit higher up on the on the list to do. That's the only thing. But apart from that. I really enjoyed that one today, Nick. I know I might. Well, you're welcome. Mind. You're welcome. You fucking idiot. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, folks, folks, why do I say that all the time? Uh, it's a bit twatish, really, isn't it? <laughs> twatish. <laughs> New word. On that note, on that note, um, hopefully that's helped for people who listen and all of that type of stuff. Really good, strong first week for the guys in the group program. You can start to obviously see if you're listening into this, you're starting to see what they've been working on, i.e. their market, their marketing message, their marketing plan and all of that. And then it's exciting to see how this is going to kick on over the next five weeks now into the different stages of it. But that was really good. Um, enjoyed your questions. Make sure they're similar, not similar, different for next week, but just as many. And then... Um, we will speak to you all and see you all very, very soon. 
Nicholas, final thoughts from you? Here I am. Four hours of webinar to do now. <laughs> See you in a bit, mate.